Good morning and a big welcome to Article 23, the podcast all about making work work. I'm Rhonda Brighton-Hall, CEO and co-founder of MOA, Making Work Absolutely Human. And I am absolutely delighted today to be joined by one of Australia's most amazing HRDs, the fabulous Roz Tregertha. Hey Rhonda, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. All the better for seeing your face. It's lovely. <laughs> So thank you so much for joining us. And for anyone who doesn't know Roz, let me introduce her because she would never say this stuff about herself. She's the group director of employee experience for Domain, the Domain Group. She has the most awesome background, HR advisor, the Public Service Commission in Samoa. How cool is that? Uh, across to CSIRO, through to an amazing career at Fairfax that saw her progress right up to the, the senior roles before joining Domain in July 2018 as Group Director of Employee Experience. And there's also this other stuff, as there always is with good people in the background. Ros wrote her thesis on the merits and challenges of affirmative action, which is super interesting. And Ros actually has some of the most thoughtful perspectives on that topic that I've ever heard and really, really thoughtful. So, but that's a conversation for another day. Today, we are going to talk about Domain and more specifically, we're going to talk very specifically about the amazing job that Domain has done during the COVID-19 period. And we have been scanning leaders and organizations for what they're doing. And this is one of the coolest that we've seen. So first of all, congratulations on the work. Thank you. Let's leap right in. What is Project Zipline? Let's talk. So Project Zipline for Domain is essentially our proactive step to assist the business from a cash flow management perspective before it got to a point of desperation that we could get in and give our staff a level of planning and certainty and also the opportunity to be part of the solution and not feel like they were having something done to them, but being really open and transparent about what we needed to do to manage through the next six months. Awesome. And there are so many companies in that position at the moment that are trying to look after their team and give them some security in the future, but at the same time are trying to protect the balance sheet. So when we say the challenge that you were facing or the problem that you were solving, what was that? How would you describe it? So obviously with the COVID-19 restrictions, there has been some impact on the property market and ultimately would then impact us from a business. And whilst we'd had uh, great results um, in March, we were not going to be immune to the changes. So what we needed to do was really get our finance teams onto thinking about this in a forecast sense, thinking about the problem, thinking about worst case scenario, mid case scenario, best case scenario, and try and run some numbers again, rather than wait till it was like, oh my God, we've got a problem and we need to solve it tomorrow. It was like, what what does it look like over the next six months for us as a business? And we did some crystal ball gazing because no one has the, the perfect answer. And from that, we said, how do we then ultimately help the organisation from that cash flow perspective in a fast way, but also in a way that doesn't um, directly impact the staff in such a way that they feel like something was being done to them. So then there was a whole heap of work that went on behind that. So when you talk about um, impacting the staff, what options do you have? Or what options did you have when you were looking across the challenge that you, that you faced? So the options we had were like any other organisation in terms of, is there things that have been stopped from a work perspective and do we stand staff down? Uh, are we eligible for JobKeeper? Let's look into that. Are we at the point where we need to think about redundancies? Are we looking at uh, reducing hours? Could people take annual leave? Could people take long service leave? 
all the sort of, I guess, those traditional kind of HR responses to a situation where you needed to ultimately uh, save the business some, some, some money. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of companies take a lot of those choices because they've That's sort right. of gone to the go-to textbook. This is how you handle challenge. Um, a lot of these sorts of things, and I know Domain was the same, they were summarised into a few sentences or a paragraph in the Fin Review or something like that. And we all know that it's much, much harder than that. It isn't just like you just add water and it's okay. So what did it take? What were all the parts that you had to consider? How did it come together? And feel very free to talk about the technical side of the HR piece in this because it's massive. And it's such a great example of the whole HR function needing to work together and also to collaborate with many other functions to make it work. So I think there's a time for really deeply understanding and appreciating great HR. And I think this is one of them. So over to you, how do you make it work? How do we make this work? So let's go back to the beginning. Initially, there was obviously a conversation at the finance space. They needed to run some numbers. We contributed in terms of the data that we have around people. Then it was a decision for the board to actually be comfortable for us to take these options out to staff. And those two essential options were giving staff equity in replacement of part of their salary or getting them to reduce days, so four days a week, or a combination of the two or leave without pay, but also recognising that some people may not participate. We'll get to that in a minute. Then the legal team and the tax team had to do a whole heap of work around the legal and regulatory requirements in relation to this and get the offer documents ready and all the equity options and work with external advisors to understand all the, the machinations behind that. Amazing to do that in the time frame you did it in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I wonder I'm a bit tired, Wanda. I'm a bit tired. Um, but then, then if we think about the, the HR component, so we had a project team which had our finance, tax finance, and legal with us and employee experience. So across that project team, we needed our business partners. Yep. We needed our operational team who could implement the, the letters for want of a better word. And we also obviously had myself and we obviously also then would have a massive impact from a payroll team perspective. And we also had the communications piece. So we had our communications manager in there as well. But then it was a process of getting into that, to the use the word that technical piece, what are all the employment categories that we currently have in our business and how will they be impacted by this change? Full-time, part-time, visa, parental leave, paid parental leave, unpaid parental leave, uh, people who are on um, um, visa X versus visa Y. So we actually went down and really looked at every single employment category to understand what would be the impact on them. And obviously for some people on certain visas, they couldn't participate because it was going to impact their opportunity to potentially get permanent residency down the path. So we did that. Then there was also a piece of modelling around that basically it was 20% reduction that we were looking for. But from a leadership and a board perspective, the board and the CEO took 50% and the ELT took 30%. And that was really about demonstrating that we wanted to show that we were behind this and backing it. So what was your percentage from your board? Uh, 50. Wow. And then your executive team took 30 before you did anything else. That's Before we did anything else. That's so real. We talked about that openly and transparently about this. And then we also recognise that we have some low income earners. So those um, that were lower than $65,000 were not included because from a financial hardship perspective, we didn't want to put anyone in a position. Then from the perspective of then we had to obviously give all that data back to finance. Finance had to do all the modelling to make sure that it, it fitted within, within their model. Then there was obviously a whole heap of uh, um, a script 
essentially for our leaders to say, this is how you have a conversation about equity and here are all your talking points. Here is the conversation you need to have about reducing hours and here is all your talking points. Oh, what happens if someone has an emotional reaction? So then we had to sort of put in there a line to say, this is what you should do if someone has an emotional reaction because we didn't know everyone's individual circumstances. And some people ultimately are not participating, not because they don't want to and not because it's they're a bad person. It's just that financially, personally, they can't do it. So we had to work through all of those individual cases across the organisation. Then we had a whole heap of letters to produce and documentation to vary people's employment for six months. We did that through Link Market Services because they were buying equity, essentially, from a shares perspective, share rights perspective, but also for those people who were reducing down. So then we had to set up all this, um, again, our legal team were playing a big part here, setting up all the documentation in that Link Market Services. Then everyone, everyone got an email. But the really important thing we did is, and this was about giving people ownership and control. And, and my team have talked to me about how we've done that and we've done that so well, is that we had a nomination form the people nominated up front what they wanted to do, and then we sent them the docu documentation to accept. So giving them that two-step process actually did see us have people change their minds between their nomination form and ultimately accepting the change that they were going to have because something happened. They didn't really think about it at the time, whatever it might be. So really trying to understand that we're dealing with human beings and taking yep. a people-first approach. Yep. Then... Next was really about then getting all of that documentation back in a short amount of time to get their consent or their approval, getting, getting data files ready and running it through our first payroll um, pay run, which is actually this week. So in three or four weeks, we did a massive amount of work. And a, and, there, a process, a and a process, process. Only takes organisations years. <laughs> so my REM team described it as doing a REM review in, in a week and a half. Wow, that's impressive. And over 90%. And over 90% took it up. That's amazing too. And longer term, that will have such an amazing impact on domain because you'll have so many of your employees who actually have equity, have skin in the game. <clears throat> Absolutely. They're owners. Yeah, it's really lovely. And they're part of the story in the future. I think, I, I'm so blown away that it was an idea and that you've executed it so beautifully and that so many employees were able to take it up. And I hear your point, not everybody at every stage of their life can do that. Yep. But it's been lovely that so many, like over 90%, that's superb. Were there any lessons that you thought that's a lesson next time I do that a little bit differently? I think the thing that I would do differently next time is probably think about how we get some documentation and things set up sooner. So we weren't running around at the end um, as much. And I think as well, we needed a little bit more time if we could have built it into our timelines to just deal with more of those individual circumstances because a few more popped up than, than we were anticipating. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And that sort of, that was maybe a luxury that in these particular circumstances you didn't have because this whole thing has been such a, a at speed coming at us sort of idea, but that's a good lesson. Now, work aside and leaving aside Project Zipline, even though I'm a huge fan, I could ask a thousand questions on it because I'm so impressed. But, and I'm not normally, like you know me, I'm not normally um, sucky like that. <laughs> I'm normally like, uh, pretty, yeah, there's I think, and there's great. Yeah, I think full, full credit to Jason Pellegrino, our CEO here, in yeah, terms of taking yeah. this concept, really putting it, getting us, challenging us to think about it as a, as a business yeah. and as a team and then taking it up and, 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 and working it through with the board and then kudos to the board as well for going, yep, yeah, we're going to get behind this. 
good CEO, good board, good relationships, good exco, good relationships, good HR team, good ability to do this because not every HR team or professional could do it. Now, on that note, I can't let that moment go either because um, I want to ask you just a couple of really expert sort of questions because we have a lot in our community that are people and culture, employee experience, HR, communication type people. Um, what do you think is going to change about work based on our experience of this unique COVID-19 time? I think we will be challenged as businesses and as a community with a greater desire for people to work flexibly, a greater desire for people to work from home because they've now done it. And I think even out of our project Zipline, there will be people who'll do their job four days a week and say, you know what? That'll I, want to, I want to keep doing my job four days a week. I really like a, a, the long weekend that I'm, the three day weekend that I'm currently doing. So I think it's also about us from a perspective of how we work and what we do at work and what we prioritise. So it's almost like we will be flipping in for me into what I would describe as our new normal post-COVID-19. And what are the things out of the, what are the positive things from COVID that we want to take in and what's the stuff we don't? And we've, we've even seen this in our organisation. We've had a couple of our product team non-leaders lean in and say, this is a problem I need to solve right now. I'm just going to get on and solve it. And they've done it at speed. And so not everything can be done at the same speed, but I think what they've demonstrated is we can do things at speed. We can yeah. also do things not sitting in the same room together. So how do we use technology better to be connected? One of my uh, remote workers who is in regional New South Wales has told me she feels more connected to the business now than she ever has. Yeah, because we're sort of all in the same boat. We've got the same situation because we've got three offices and we're all of a sudden we're all in the same boat because we're all different, all remote. Yeah, that's um, right. You've, you've got, I think, a really outstanding team and you've worked really hard to build it quite quickly because you're only there from July 2018. What makes a great HR, people and culture, employee experience professional? Like what, what characteristics have you said the top two? Uh, the top two. I think you do need a level of resilience in terms of your ability to step back up when something doesn't quite go your way. And also recognise that not every single person in the business is going to agree with you. And that's okay. And you need to have a level of almost self, I don't know if it's self-centeredness or that independence to say, I'm okay to operate out just outside the kind of group um, and have that resilience and that um, independence to sort of be, be okay with that. I think the... I think the second one for me would be around looking at, from a skill base, you need to understand the foundations of the world that you live in, employment law, health and safety, all of those things, to have any that credibility. But that doesn't get you a seat at the table. The ability to get the seat at the table is taking that baseline foundation credibility that you have through your learning or your education, however you get it. And then being able to translate that into solving business problems. Yeah. So again, if I think about the, the execution of, of Project Zipline, I've, I've received some really great feedback from my peers to say, oh my God, wow, you did that. So I needed all my employment law understanding and credibility foundations to be able to execute that to say, part-time person, this is their implication, visa person, this is their implication. 
but that 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 was step that's kind of part way there the next step is there and actually then ultimately execute that yep they're, they're really good places to start that really deep resilience and independence of thinking to solve problems differently but have a commercial application it's often and yeah and recognize that you've got other experts in the room so that legal team were incredibly important to me through this process the yeah. tax team the tax team developed a spreadsheet for staff to help them understand how the equity would impact them from a tax perspective now there's no way i could have done that and there's really uh, that topic is really made into language people can understand. So that's actually incredibly cool. Um, Rose, thank you so much for joining us. It's it's um it's such an amazing project to try and describe it in just 15 minutes. It's pretty amazing. But um, just congratulations, not just to yourself, because as you're thank describing, you. you have this massive team around you, up, across, down, everywhere. Um, and you obviously didn't build those relationships in a week and a half. They were all solid and working well. So you had this moment to solve a problem together. Um, but it's it's amazing depth of expertise and a love for the great great work in this space. Like it's really impressive. So um, thank you all for listening. I hope you've learned something. I'm sure people have. Um, we will be back next week, but this week we were so delighted to give you an example of what we're calling co-curation. It's actually an ability to look back into your organization, pick up the best, learn some lessons from this time and take some of them forward with some new ideas and some new ways of approaching things. I think Domain's such a beautiful example of that. So thank you for joining us, Roz. You're very welcome, Rhonda. It was great to be here. Thank you. Uh, we'll be back next week, but in the interim, if you want to join us on our newsletter, just jump on www.moi.life uh, and our newsletter comes out free every Friday morning for those of you who are members or would like to receive it, just write to us at team.moi.life. Um, thanks so much for having us. Big moi from us. Bye. Thank you.